in February, uh, I think it's around 28th or something like that, when Russia began to invade Ukraine, there was a group of Ukrainian soldiers out on an island. It was called Snake Island. And you'll remember this. They, they were facing death. They died. They were staring down literally the barrel of a gun. Uh, and their remarks were profane, but they were just as powerful as they were profane. And yes, that's a roadhouse reference. Um, but when they said that, we understood exactly what was in their hearts. We knew where they stood. It reeked of courage and bravery. It's, it connected somehow with that spirit of 1776 that's within all of us as Americans. And, and we didn't get it, but we got it. We, we understood that. And those last words of those soldiers, we knew where they stood. We knew what was important to them. And those last words, those are a big deal. Uh, Matthew 28, I'm going to share a couple of verses with you. And these were Jesus' last words to his disciples before he, uh, before he leaves and what he gives them. This is a passage that's literally been preached in this church 22, for the last 22 years, probably 50 times. Um, but I'm going to take a little bit different slant with it today as we start a series called uh, Shedding the Fear of Sharing Your Faith. And these are Jesus' last words. And this is what is typically called the Great Commission. Commission. And the word there is mission. It's an assignment. It's a task. It is a project. It is a responsibility. So what Jesus is giving you and me, the church, is he's, these are his last words. These are the words that Jesus snuck, uh, spoke from his, from his snake island, if you will. And this is what he says. Then Jesus came to them and said, Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and I'm surely with you always to the very end of the age. Y'all, in Chester, there are about 5,000 people. Don't believe the numbers on the sign because they count all the folks down at Menard and uh, CMHC and uh, medium security. But there's about 5,000 people here in Chester. Um, today in church, there's less than 1,000 people all over this town. Today in Chester, there are less than 1,000 people all over this town. There's about 10 pastors. So if we say that, you know, the, it's the pastor's job to, to go out there and win them, the truth of the matter is it's really going to be hard for 10 men and women to reach 5,000 people. In fact, that's 500 people apiece. But if we can mobilize 200 Christians to reach three or four or five people over a year or two, now we're making a tremendous impact for Randolph County. Now we're beginning to do something. But it's not just the professional minister's job. It takes everybody showing up. It takes everybody getting involved. It puts everybody with skin in the game. These are the last words of our Savior. Go and make disciples. That's not an option if you're a Christian. Those are his last words. That is the assignment. That's the mission that we've been given. And you might be saying, well, preach, I'm not trained for that. I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm untrained. I'm an unprofessional, things like that. But I want you to see something. The Bible actually tells us in the book of Acts, there's these two disciples, and they're in front of this council, and they're in trouble. And they look at these two guys, and they're fishermen by trade, but they're speaking with, man, they're speaking with some authority. They're speaking with power, and this is what the Bible says. When the council saw the boldness of Peter and John and could see that they were obviously two words, uneducated, unprofessionals. Here's the deal, church. Jesus' plan to bring the gospel into the world has always been with uneducated, unprofessional people. Y'all, God's plan to bring the gospel to Randolph County is going to fall upon uneducated, unprofessional people. God will take care of it, okay? God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called, and we're all called. 
God used and he uses people just like us. The Acts version of what Jesus' last words were are this. And Jesus is about to ascend to the clouds. And he said, y'all will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. He said, I want you to be my witness. Now, when we think of witness, we think, you know, um, we think of the court. We think of lawyers and things like that. But that word right there, it means that you've seen something. You give an account of what you've seen. We understand that part. But there's also a part here that Jesus is saying, I want you to be my representative. When they see you, I want them to see me. When they see you, I want you to think of, I want you to think of, of a loving God. So we are called to be Jesus' representatives, the outpost of heaven in Randolph County. And I've just told you the stats. One out of, uh, one out of oh, I don't know, I, I can't do the math in my head, but there's only a thousand, there's less than a thousand people in church in town this, th today. If we're the outpost for the kingdom of God, we're surrounded by the enemy. We are in enemy territory. We're surrounded by the enemy. But I do want to tell you this. Lost people are not the enemy. They're victims of the enemy. The reason why lost people kind of sound wacky to you and me with, with things like family or gender or, or things like this that, that we're kind of scratching our head thinking, man, how can you do that? Y'all... It's because you know God. You know the Word of God. You know God's design. Lost people are going to talk like lost people. They're going to think like lost people. They're going to have an attitude of lost people. They're going to have behaviors of lost people. They're not the enemy. They are victims of the enemy. We're here to go get them and bring them to Christ. That's our job. If we're God's outpost in Randolph County, and the statistics prove it, there are more people who don't know God than those of us who do believe so, you might be saying, well, go get him, preach, you and the nine other folks, go get him. Y'all, you're God's representatives in your neighborhoods, in your homes, in your schools, in your jobs, at Walmart, at Rosier's, at Casey's, at Moto Mart. You are the representatives of Jesus wherever he has placed you. You are his witnesses at TG. You are his witnesses at Gilster Mary Lee. You are his witnesses at Menard and CMHC. You are his witnesses at the clinic. You're his witnesses at the hospital or the schools. Wherever you're at, you are the representatives of the kingdom of God in that location. When we're surrounded by people who need to hear about God making him uh, uh, making a way for them to be right with him they need to know that God has a way out um, church you know friends and you have family that need Jesus you know that they're far away from God I'm going to challenge you today begin to pray for those people begin to pray for two or three of those people who 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 are away from God and I'm not asking you to judge their salvation I'm not asking you to do any of that I'm just saying maybe you've got somebody in your life who you know needs Jesus Begin to pray for that person and then begin to pray like this. God, would you let me have an opportunity to turn a everyday conversation into a gospel conversation? And what's going to happen with this particular study is this. You ever notice how people like to tell you their problems whether you ask for it or not? With this, with this particular model in this series, I'm going to show you a way to transition when people begin to tell you about the crisis in their life to how to turn it towards the cross. Um, many of you love evangelism as long as somebody else is doing it. But if you're a born-again Christian, evangelism is not an option. Sharing your faith is not an option. It was the last words of our Savior. The Bible tells us this. Um, 
Let me get my board real quick. God has a design for us. God has a design for our lives. God has a design for our lives. God's design. If you've ever thought about eternity or what happens after you die, or even the idea of parallel universes and quantum physics, these things kind of go on our mind and, and we think about them or issues of consciousness or whatever. The truth of the matter is the Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that every single one of us are created by a loving God with eternity in our hearts. The reason why we think about things we can't see is because that's the way we were built. That's the way we were designed. And everything God designs is perfect. Everything God makes is perfect. God made us to have, God made us to have this idea of eternity in our hearts. That's why we're all interested in what happens after we die and things like that. Uh, the world and everything he has created is excellent. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Psalm uh, chapter 19, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord, the skies proclaim the works of his hands. He's made it, it's beautiful, it declares the glory of God. God created us in his, min in his image with eternity in our heart. And church, when he made us, we were the pinnacle of creation. We were, we were the jewel. And he had this beautiful design in place for us where we walk in his presence and we pursue him and, and we are friends with him. And God has a design for every aspect of our life. God has a design for family. The Bible tells us in, in Genesis that a man will leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. God has a design for marriage between a man and a woman. God has a design for gender. Uh, the Bible also tells us that God made them male and female. I believe that's in Genesis 2, uh, Genesis 1.27. So God created a man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them how? Y'all, there's 150 some odd different binary identification things. I'm out. I'm done. I can't keep up with it. All right? So the truth of the matter is, God's design for marriage very simple. It's in black and white. God's design for gender. Very simple. It's in black and white. Uh, there isn't an area in your life that God doesn't have a perfect plan for. He has a perfect plan for your finances. He has a perfect plan for your, your money life, your sex life, your marriage life, your home life, your job life. He has a plan for just old plain life. And that plan is perfect. That plan is is awesome. And there isn't an area of our life that God doesn't have a design. He created us into a world that would be perfect, that would, that would be great. But something happened. And in the world God created, Ukraine war would not happen. In a world that was following God's design, COVID wouldn't happen. Cancer wouldn't happen. Divorce wouldn't happen. Custody battles wouldn't happen. But something happened. Anybody want to guess what it is? Sin. Sin is any time we get away from God's design. Any time we tell God, I know what you want as far as family and gender or whatever it would be. I know what your plan is, but I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to go my own route. God designed us to be in a relationship with him that is, uh, that is in communion with him, that is, fellowship, that is in fellowship with him. In a world that God designed, he walked with Adam and Eve. In the beginning, God, God, God was buddies with them. They walked together. They hung out together. Um, for those of you who had toddlers growing up in your, your house at one time or another, do you remember the time when the kids were small? 
and you would hear the pitter-patter of little feet coming down the hall, and you knew who the kid was even though you didn't see them? Oh, I can tell that's Lake. Or I can tell that's Ridge. Or I could tell Pam's mad. <laughs> but you live with somebody long enough, you, you, you even know how they walk. Adam and Eve messed up in the garden, by the way. I've been wanting, I'm going to preach this one of these days. But when Eve took a bite of the fruit, you notice that God didn't ask Eve why you did that. He went to Adam. Because the man's responsible for the home. That would be a great sermon. One of these days, that's all I've got fleshed out. Um, They hid from God. The Bible tells us in the book of Genesis 3.8. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Um, but then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking. They knew it was him. They spent time with him. They've been in fellowship with him. They talked about the sunrises. They've talked about the trees. And they said, dude, what were you thinking with the platypus? What's up with that? But we got away from God. Uh, God we got away from God. And it's called sin. Anytime we choose to go against God's design, it's called sin. And we we can't live under His blessing with sin. We can't live in communion with sin. We can't live in that perfect design with sin. And we've all departed. We've all done this. Romans three twenty three says, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." Every single one of us in this room have gotten away from God's perfect design. We're born with a sin nature, so naturally sin's going to come natural to us. How many of y'all had to be taught to sin? Not me. I'm teaching master level classes apparently on that, okay? But none of us have to be taught to sin. It's natural. We've got a sin nature, a nature so it comes out in us. We're born in that sin, uh, sin nature. No one gets it right. And we all sin, which leads us to brokenness. We're in broken relationship. We've broken design. We've broken ties. We've broken away. Brokenness means separation. No one gets it all right. We all sin, which leads us to brokenness. And most of us can understand brokenness because we understand broken relationships. We understand broken health. We understand depression and guilt and shame. And we understand addiction. And we're all out of it. We've been trying to fix our lives with all of these things and nothing works. We can't medicate our, 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 our pain with enough medication. And we can't numb our feelings with enough booze. And we can't feel fulfilled with no matter how many partners we have. Um, we can't make enough money. And we try to do all these things to no avail. It just doesn't work. Some look to it, well, I'll just be a better person and, and I'll be better. Or I'll do the right things and I'll do better. Those are all things that we're trying to do on our own. Those are all ways that we're trying to get back to God. Trying to make our own way. Brokenness feels like a bad thing. How many of y'all felt broken? I have. On the rig. But don't think that brokenness is an entirely bad thing. Because brokenness helps us know that we are jacked up. We need God. I've tried everything, Mike. I'm tired of waking up with a hangover. I'm tired of waking, over with waking up to somebody. I'm not even sure who his or her name is. Mike, everything I'm doing, my life is empty. It's vacant. It's no fun. I have no joy. I live from day to day hoping I make it to the next day. We understand brokenness. 
But we can't recover what we've lost in our own. And thank God this is where Jesus comes in. Because we are broken and we cannot get back to God on our own. This is the good news. Jesus took our sin, our brokenness, our pain, our iniquity, all of those things, and He took them to the cross. And they were all piled upon Him. Church, you have to admit that you're broken. That you, that you need something. You need God. That you've tried everything on your own. But it's still empty. Jesus took our sins to the grave to take them away. He rose again proving to us that He is who He says He was. And He can do what He says He'll do. That's the good news. And we're going to be talking about that good news on Easter. But church, just hearing the good news will not save you. Hearing the good news will not save you. It's how you respond and how you react to the good news. We ask God to forgive us of our sin, turn from our sin, and trust only in Jesus. We repent. We return from... Uh, we re, we uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, we turn from this. The word I'm looking for is repent. Uh, repent and believe. I know I've got the handwritings of a serial killer, but those words are repent and believe. I'm turning from my sin... I'm turning from what I've been doing to try to restore my life. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross in my place. I believe that you are God in the flesh. I believe you died for me, that you rose again. I've, I've repented. And Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe. And then something wonderful happens. Because of Jesus, we now recover we now recover that perfect design. And now we become in communion with Him. Not You didn't have to do anything but place your faith in Jesus. He called you. This has nothing to do with baptism. This has nothing to do with church membership. This, has nothing, this isn't a Baptist thing. It's not a Catholic thing. It's not a Methodist thing. It's a God thing. And by the way, if you go to the Methodist church or the Assembly of God church or Grace today, we all have the same Bible. And no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. So, when we... We recover this beautiful design, and now we get to do something, pursue. We get to pursue God's presence. We get to pursue who He is. We get to recover and pursue the design that God had for our life. Now we get to pursue those divine plans for our, our marriages, our homes, our, our gender, our, all of these things. Now we get to go back into that design. Why? Because we realize we were broken. Jesus is the, the way. And He restores us into communion with the Father. Reconciliation was the Bible word that they used there. God restores that relationship with Him through our faith in Jesus. And we have the power to turn His... Per now we have the power to go back into that perfect design. Recover and pursue the design God has for our lives. Then what do we do, Mike? Go back and make disciples of all the nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Church, you've been saved to go back into the world that's broken to win some more for Christ. That's why we're here. Those were the, those were the words from Calvary Island. And church, every single one of you in here and online, every one of us, we're in one or two of these groups. 
we are either in God's design or you're broken. There's no middle ground. There's no purgatory middle ground. Today, you're either living in God's design or brokenness. If I could have every head bowed, every eye closed. This morning, if you've been trying to if you've been trying to make your own way, if you've been trying to do your own thing, if you've been trying to make your life better in your own strength and in your own intellect and in your own power, and nothing's worked, well, no wonder it hasn't worked. You see, the only thing that can restore us to God is God. The only thing that can restore us and recover us to God is God. As every eye is closed and every head is bowed, Today, if you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today you would like to place your faith in Him, repent of your sin, turn from your sin, and believe Jesus as your Savior. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. If you would, and your heads are bowed and your eyes closed, would you just simply stand to your feet? Would you do that for me? Would you stand to your feet this morning? Thank you. I want to give you an opportunity to give your heart to Christ. Today, if you would like to surrender to Him, I want to give you this opportunity. If you're ready, I'm just going to pray with you. You can pray out loud or in your heart. Dear Jesus, I am lost. I am broken. And I admit it. Jesus, I believe that You are God in the flesh. You came to die in my place. For me. Jesus, I give you my life. I profess you as my Savior. Forgive me of all of my sin. In Jesus' name, I pray and I give you thanks and glory. And amen. Church, what I showed you this morning is a tool that we're going to look at and we're going to learn. Starting April 20th at our Connect group. Um, our connect group for uh, our next connect group. I encourage you to come. Next week we're going to have some books available. But church, you can literally, and by the way, you don't have to preach a sermon to them. What I'm going to do is I'm unpacking every main point for you. God's design. Next week I'm going to talk about brokenness. And then Easter I'm going to talk about Jesus. We're going to give you the tools to share your faith. Because what happens is preachers tell you to share your faith, share your faith, share your faith. You don't know how to. Shame on me. So I'm going to give you those tools in your box.